Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Good Orderly Direction, Practical Tools of the Bible. I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes, and today we're talking about chapter 15. This is when God promises Abram a child. Abram's getting up there in years, and he still doesn't have a child. And back in those times, having children was really important to carry on the family name, but as well as carry on the family mission. God promises Abram that he will ultimately have a child, but that child for 400 years, that child and his descendants will live in a land that doesn't belong to them and they will be enslaved and oppressed. So they are going to be aliens in the land, so to speak. Ultimately, God says he's going to judge the nation that they serve and help them prosper. Good orderly direction ain't easy. It is not easy to be prudent, to be patient, to be um, respectful all the time, to be truthful, to be all those things that we talk about with good orderly direction. <clears throat> what we're seeing here or hearing here is God saying that Abram's child is going to be born into a sinful world and it, it's not going to be easy at first because there is so much wickedness around. God's highlighting the fact that change doesn't happen overnight. So just like Noah and his family were uh, charged with basically starting humanity over again, and they had to build from the ground up, Abram's child is going to have to basically build from the ground up. And it's going to take some time before he has amassed the community that will help him um, or help them become strong enough to overthrow or, or dominate the wickedness and become um, free from being enslaved. <clears throat> Later, we see that the people are unable to break out of their oppression because they are not united. They are stiff-necked. So again, Abram's child is born into this environment in which people have gone back to being prideful and selfish and greedy and doing what makes them happy in the moment. But this is also causing a lot of uh, challenges and disagreements among the people. But they become stiff-necked. They're like, I'm not going to be compassionate. I'm not going to share. I'm not going to be patient. I'm going to do what I want when I want. When a group of people insists on acting impulsively, selfishly, and they're motivated by anger and greed, it's hard to trust one another. I mean, think even today when people are motivated to try to ascend to the heights of power, whether that's in business or in politics or whatever, what they're motivated by and how they must feel, how stressful it must feel if they are afraid that other people are going to knock them off their pedestal all the time. What's the benefit to being motivated by power and money? Some people may say, well, then I'll be safe and I can build my own fortress. And, and maybe, but you build a fortress, somebody else is going to build a bigger fortress or a bigger tool to take down your fortress. So there's always that threat that someone is going to want to overthrow you because you have 
gathered and hoarded all of your stuff for you instead of creating a community who could unite all of their resources in order to protect one another. Does power and money guarantee you safety and security? No. Like I, like I just mentioned, money can disappear at the drop of a hat. Power, the same thing. People can be overthrown. They can lose their power, whether it's being the biggest organization um, that does XYZ, or if it's being a, the, the strongest country or the current leader of whatever the country is. Any of those people could be dethroned at any minute. So power and money does not really guarantee safety and security. And it certainly doesn't guarantee love. And you might be going, well, Dr. Snipes, you know, a lot of people with money have, you know, these relationships that we see about on TV all the time. Yeah, they do. But are those relationships based on love or are those based on money? What can you do for me? How can an attitude of abundance and following good orderly direction help you ensure that you will be safe, secure, and loved? Well, let's think about it. Patience and wisdom. Prudence is the P in, in perfect. Uh, patience and prudence help us know what we need to do and be patient and not act impulsively. So we are measuring our steps and planning ahead. Endurance and earnestness. We have courage and we do what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. We develop a reputation of integrity and people are attracted to or want to be around others who have integrity and, and patience and wisdom. When we show respect for ourselves and for other people, again, we are demonstrating behaviors that are likely to draw people into our, our orbit, so to speak, and into our community. When, as we do that, we're creating an ever-increasing community that is there to help love and support us and help us feel safe and secure. And we work to help each other feel safe and secure. And we'll see this again later um, uh, when we start talking about David, when he's being pursued by Saul and when he's uh, camping out in the caves, but I'm jumping way ahead. Despite their oppression, godly people in the group keep plugging away, showing that there is an alternative. They recognize if they follow good orderly direction, they keep doing the next right thing. They set boundaries and to protect themselves from people who are not using good orderly direction, but they also embrace and are, are, and are patient with people who are following good orderly direction. So they're sorting out and figuring out who is safe to be around, who is creating that godly community. Think about it. Is it more efficient to let an electrician do the electrical work, the plumber do the plumbing, while the cook makes sure everyone is nourished and energized if you're trying to build a house. Or have the cook try to watch YouTube videos and try to figure out how to do everything himself. So he feeds himself and then he watches a YouTube video, then he tries to figure out how to wire something. 
Which do you think is going to be more efficient and effective? Do you think the cook through watching the YouTube videos or winging it on his own is going to get the electrical right every single time? Or is he going to have to go back and redo it and waste a lot of time because it wasn't done right the first time? If they work on the cook's house first, if everybody gets together and work on the cook's house first, what do you think the godly cook will do when it's time to work on the house for the electrician or the plumber or somebody else in the community? And I've said this in other videos and I'll say it again. We see this in Amish communities and where, where the whole community recognizes that if they band together, they are stronger united than they are as individual parts. When people combine their strengths, resources, and talents, each person in the community benefits many times more than when one person tries to do it by themselves. In the biblical interpretation, these were the trials imposed by God to bring people back and unite them in what we will, in the New Testament, start calling the body of Christ. When things are going well, we think we know what's going on. We think we're all that. We start to get prideful and think we're in control of everything and we start taking life for granted. It isn't until things go wrong and we're powerless that we often acknowledge the need for good orderly direction to get us back on the right path. How does a life without God contribute to anger, anxiety, and a sense of hopelessness? How can patient enjoyment, patience, enjoyment, respect, forgiveness, earnestness, compassion, truthfulness, and selflessness help you feel more empowered, safer, and content? And I encourage you to go through each one of those individually. How can being patient with other people and with myself help me feel more empowered, safer, and content? Well, for example, if you're patient, then you're not impulsive which means you think things through so you probably get things done right the first time instead of rushing through it and making a bunch of mistakes and having to redo it. How can enjoying the blessings that you have help you feel more empowered, safer, and content? You know, instead of focusing on all the things you don't have, if you start focusing on what you do have, you can start feeling like, hey, I really do have a lot going for me. And respect. When you respect yourself and you respect others, again, how does that help you feel safer and more content? It's a whole lot nicer to live in your head when you're respectful to yourself than when you have a really loud inner critic just yammering in your ear. And it's a whole lot easier to feel safer and content when you respect others because then they often respect you back and you're not feeling threatened by them. You're feeling loved, respected, and, and, and nurtured. How can God protect you from those people who are motivated by greed and power? Now, if you think of God, the higher power, there are a lot of answers there. If you think of God as good orderly direction, how can doing the next right thing and embracing these um, uh, principles help you amass a community of people who would be there to 
protect you from those who are motivated by greed and power.